now, for all of those listening from around the world, this is the moment you've been waiting for. It's time! And now, introducing the host, a strength and conditioning coach, real estate investor, athlete manager, and amateur food critic. He stands five feet, 11 inches tall, and he's on the road to 185 pounds. Podcasting from around the world by way of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thank you, Bruce, and welcome to another episode of the Road to 185 show. I'm your host, Jared Saavedra. Today's episode, I got Dr. Nathan Kenyenda, plastic surgeon, oculoplastic surgeon, doing some great things. You all may know him by Doc NK, TikTok Doc, but I know Nate as Nate Dog. We've been best friends since sixth grade. We went to middle school, high school, and college together. We've also had a, a bunch of world travels together. And every time we get on the phone, we can talk for hours about complete nonsense. So it's actually super weird for me to see to see this transformation as far as, as a little punk middle school kid to now he is operating on people's faces. That is really, really weird for me. And hearing him talk to patients, hearing him talk to other medical professionals, I'm like, man, if these people only knew what Nate did, you know, you know, back in back in eighth grade, I'm telling you, it, it's just funny. But Nate, I got to give him the respect. This man has grown so much over the last, you know, especially the last five years, of course, being an expert in the field of medicine. But he's also very, very knowledgeable when it comes to branding. And I've seen the way he's developed other medical professionals, how they brand themselves so that they are more marketable to work with companies and go beyond just being a part of medicine. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. He's going to drop a lot of bombs on you and give you some really good strategies, especially if you are looking to grow your business in a social media platform, especially TikTok. He has some good insight and strategies to grow, and, and that's really helped him grow and be able to work with who he gets to work with today. Get that pen and paper out, and let's go. Uh, for the listeners, man, you got to tell us about Colombia. Yeah, Colombia. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because I had been in school and in training for 14 years. And I, told, I promised myself that at the end of it all, I would have a trip that I could go to. And um, at first I was thinking about going to Europe, but then I, I was watching Narcos. And when I was watching Narcos, I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, maybe Colombia, you know, <laughs> maybe Colombia uh -huh. might be a dope spot. 
And um, and I just really, you know, I love the show, but I also liked uh, Medellin, um, just how it looked. And so I, I decided to go to Colombia. I was initially going to do Colombia and Brazil, but it had been a while since I traveled and I'd already been to Brazil. So I wanted to go somewhere where I hadn't been. So I went to Colombia and it was awesome. I went there and I think even, you know, a lot of people told me be careful going to that country because, you know, they still had the idea of the old school Pablo Escobar, the drugs, the prostitutes, all those things. But um, Colombia has really come a long way since that time. And so uh, I definitely think it was one of the best trips that I had. I went there for a month. I was on the coast. Then I went to Medellin. I met a lot of people that even that I still talk to to this day. Then I went to Peru for a week. So I'm refreshed, but I'm having a hard time adjusting to uh, to life back in America now. Yeah. Okay. For the listeners that maybe haven't heard of you or never spoke to you before, like let's dig into to your background in medicine. Like, let us know how you started off, where you went to school, what you studied, all that good stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I went to uh, to the University of New Mexico School of Medicine. I had uh, lived in New Mexico. I was going to undergrad in New Mexico. And, uh, you know, I decided to become a, a doctor towards the end of my undergraduate education. I think initially I was thinking about doing a, a couple other things or a few other things. Uh, it's funny because I one of the things I wanted to do was become a motivational speaker, and I felt like I had to decide between that and becoming a doctor. But the reality is that you can do you can become a motivational speaker doing anything. And now I spend I get an opportunity because I'm a doctor to get into spaces and places where I can talk about um, you know my experience and motivate others. And so after after undergrad and after med school, I went to go do my internship in Hawaii and then I uh, which was like the best place I've ever lived and that's another experience kind of like Colombia where people told me oh be careful going out there you might get island fever and and, and it was from people who didn't even go to Hawaii right the same, like similar with Colombia it's but always it those people what was that it's always those people that may have never experienced it themselves that just they just have this vision or a view because it's something maybe they've seen on TV and all of a sudden, they, like, push that onto other people. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's why you have to be so careful to listen to what people are saying. You have to think about the source. It's like in anything that we do, you know, even when I do research, the first thing I do is I look at who the source is or what the source is. And um, people love to have opinions, but they lack experience, you know. So so it's it's so much easier to have an opinion than it is to have experience. And so for me... You know, I decided, you know, hey, it's a different it's a different um, pathway for me. You know, my family's on the East Coast because my family had moved to Virginia Beach, um, or, you know, around that time. And so I was ba- basically, um, you know, going the opposite direction by going to Hawaii. But it was amazing. It was awesome. I, I worked a lot. Um, I did put in a lot of hours. But when I was off, I was truly off. And then I went to D.C. Uh, to go do my uh, residency in ophthalmology. And and when I was doing my residency in ophthalmology, I pretty much, you know, I was trying to think about what specialties I liked. And there weren't a ton of specialties that I saw myself doing outside of just general ophthalmology because I liked a little bit of everything. Um, But the one specialty I did like more than anything else was oculoplastic surgery because it was a way of 
you know, still doing ophthalmology, but you're also doing facial plastics and eyelid plastic surgery, you know, uh, orbital surgery. So there's a lot of um, cool surgeries that I get to do because, so I, I went back to New Mexico to complete um, a fellowship in oculoplastic surgery. And I was working in a couple different hospitals um, doing a lot of, a lot of surgery. I was in the OR almost every single day. And so that was, that was an amazing experience uh, being able to just improve as a surgeon and get comfortable with my skills as a surgeon. And um, then I'm, I'm in Virginia beach. This is, you know, like I said, that's where my parents, you know, went to, and then I have a cousin here as well. And uh, I joined an amazing practice. I'm basically building out an ocular, a new oculoplastics practice in the practice that's been um, around for a long time. They have five offices. And um, it's a really cutting-edge, innovative, um, high-end practice. And so I'm, I'm blessed to be able to be the, the plastics guy for them. There's only, I think, I don't know, I think last time I heard there was maybe three of us in the, the entire area. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's uh, That's an opportunity. Kind of what was that? That's an opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, with that being said, like, why do you think, like, most medical professionals, like, struggle with, like, branding themselves? You've done a, an amazing job with branding yourself. Why do you think other people struggle with that in your field? I think a lot of people uh, sort of, you know, in the in the older times with medicine, there's kind of this concept of everything you do is medicine, right? So you're kind of trained to think that way. So when you're in, in undergrad, everything you're doing is trying to get into med school, and when you're in med school, everything you're doing is trying to get into a specialty. And then when you're in your specialty, everything you're trying to do is maybe get a fellowship or get a, a, in a private practice or work. And then when, once you start, there's always like the next thing. And so I think a lot of doctors, you know, they get to this point where eventually when they're done with med school and they're done with residency or they've been working for a while or a few years as an attending, they get to this point where they realize that, wow, there's definitely more to life than medicine. And um, I think that a lot of doctors struggle with branding because they don't really know perhaps what's the purpose of branding. Maybe they don't know why doctors should brand. Um, or, or well, So when they ask you those questions, like what, what are your answers to those? Because those are two, I'm sure, really common questions. Yeah, I think my, my answer is you got to figure out what, your, what you ultimately want. You know, what's your end goal? And I think that, that if, you, if you think that you know, for people who always say, oh, it's just social media or it's just um, it's just Instagram or it's just uh, TikTok or whatever it is, you have to remember that people, if it was just those things, you have to remember there are people who are retiring and quitting their jobs and, and working full time as social media um, influencers, right? So, so they're, you know, YouTube stars, you know, who are doing it. And um, so if, if they're doing it full time, imagine even the people who are making a little bit of money from it, right? And and how much side money they could be making. Um, so that could be a goal, right? But I think more than that, I think for doctors, a lot of them are making enough money and they're not necessarily worried about how much money they'll make from social media. To me, uh, I, I always say, you know, what's, what's your point? So do you have a practice? If you have a practice, you can draw leads, you can build ads, you can showcase your work, especially if you're a plastic surgeon, you're a dermatologist on social media. If you're um, interested in education, you have a, a forum and an audience where you can present education and, and informative topics. If you're interested in social justice and advocacy, 
um, social media is a platform where you can continually spread knowledge and spread that awareness. And then if you're interested, like for me, uh, my my main purpose that I feel for, for branding, um, I work with a lot of brands. I mean, I get connected with different brands, but I think one of the biggest things for me is the exposure that social media gives you. For some okay. reason, when people see, um, you know, you active on social media and you have good content, um, it, it opens doors outside of social media as well. I mean, I've been asked to be on several different TV shows. I've been signed on as a, as a consultant for, for large companies. I've been able to meet tons of people and mentor and teach, um, to speak at conferences, to speak at events, all because of social media. And and if mm-hmm. I was just hanging out and I didn't have a page and I didn't have a, anything going on, none of those opportunities would have came my way. And so I think that social media is 100% um, a means to expand your practice. And so when you, you, you for me, I, I know I want to go beyond the world of medicine. And I think social media opens those doors for me too, to do that. So I think the number one thing that, that people have to see is first they have to know what branding is. Then two, they have to know why they want to become a brand. Three, they have to know what's the purpose of their brand and, and how to, to, to further um, enhance that. Um, and four, they have to just, you know, have that openness to be able to say, hey, this is a domain that I don't know. It's something I've never really worked on, but I see other people doing it. Um, let me find out how I can do it, how I can get involved in this. Right. Absolutely. And you're one person that I've noticed that does a tremendous job of using like collaboration as opposed to a competition to like grow your social media. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how you get with other medical professionals to really like get together to, to help each other grow? Yeah. So I think, I think that, so a lot of times uh, medical professionals will come to me and they'll ask me, you know, I, you know, I see that you've been, you know, active on TikTok or, you know, I just started my TikTok. So for example, I just had um, one who she was starting her TikTok and she was frustrated. She was frustrated with, you know, how, what to post, how to post, um, how many views. And, and she just felt like she was hitting a wall. And so I basically, I talked to her, I said, you know, Hey, look, um, you know, try to, you know, post this, try to use these kinds of, of, of sound and music, try to, try to uh, use these types of features, um, look at what other people are doing. And it kind of gave her sort of a, quite a bit of advice and, and background. And then now she, I think she's, you know, this was like a couple months ago. And I think now she's at like 40 or 50,000 followers. And so, um, and her, her, her videos are going viral. And, and so there's definitely a formula. I think a lot of people, I, you know, I tell people that there's nothing special to growing. It's just, it's just sort of cracking a little understanding how algorithms work, that, that social media favors trends. It favors what's popular. It favors things that, that, you know, if you notice certain types of content that are catching on to audiences, you want to, you want to try to replicate and make it your own. Um, that type of content, especially in the beginning, until you're known and you develop that trust with an audience, and that's and that's sort of what I I help people sort of start their their journey on social media and digital media and figure out why they're starting their page because someone might say I I'm predominantly interested in mentorship. That's very different than someone that says I have a private dermatology practice in um, Los Angeles. 
you know, and I want to build my, my social media. Those are two different, they're both medical, but they're, they're two different um, categories in a sense. And we, we sort right. of developed this, this system where now there's enough medical influencers and there's enough uh, medical, there's like a whole uh, social media side of medicine that there are different niches within that. So there's people who mostly focus on, on their, their practice. There's other people who focus on lifestyle and um, the, their life as a doctor and inspiring people in that path. There are other people who tend to focus on maybe perhaps, um, you know, advocacy or, or, you know, raising awareness about real issues that affect people. Regardless of what it is, I think that, you know, it's kind of the, the number one thing that people have to ask themselves and I tell people is you have to know your, your why and your reason. Because if you don't have a, a reason that legitimately motivates you, then you're going to be focused on numbers and likes and followers. And I think that in the, in the end of the day, um, there are lots of people who are going to, you know, it's about traffic. There are lots of people who are going to run into your content that won't follow you or don't follow you, but may like something that you share or post. And that's the world that we live in with social media. Um, it's the same thing. Like I, I, I like Chick-fil-A, but I don't necessarily follow Chick-fil-A. Right. So I think that, but they have a presence, right. They have campaigns that they do. And I think that's, well, for some people, their goal might be to just have a presence. So when somebody Googles, um, uh, you know, I want to, I want a Denver plastic surgeon and you, and you search that, that'll come up and boom, there's you, your presence is known. So those, those are the types of things that, um, that I kind of help people and guide people with their social media and sort of look at their content. Uh, cause it's hard to look at your content. Even for myself, it's hard sometimes to look at your own content from a truly outside right, your blind spots. Yep. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, why do you believe in TikTok more than like Facebook? I know you're, you're super active on Instagram, but why would you say that TikTok is, is better in a sense or maybe is the future compared to Facebook or Instagram to grow a business specifically? I think um, I think that one thing that, you know, a lot of times we, you know, social media in a sense is, it's so new that we forget about the the history of social media, if that makes sense. So uh, Facebook or Instagram came out around 2012 um, and initially wasn't owned by Facebook. Facebook bought it out. Um, and then before that, there was, there was uh, obviously there was Facebook and then uh, what was popular before that was MySpace. And so it was interesting to see the different generations of social media. Um, and so essentially Instagram is, is pretty young. And and what happened, I remember when uh, Instagram first came out, uh, I remember telling friends I'm going to get on Instagram. And uh, they were, a lot of people were saying, I, I don't know about that. I already have a Facebook. I'm going to stick with Facebook. Uh, it was new. So a lot of people, they were familiar with Facebook. And a lot of people said, I already have a Facebook. I don't need an Instagram. Now what's happened is a lot of people are looking at Facebook as, oh, you know, Facebook is a thing of the past. You know, we just have the page to really connect with family and friends. Um, and there's other Facebook, there's obviously still people who had grown in the early days of Facebook um, or later on that still have big presence, uh, a big presence on there. Um, pay, big, big pages with lots of likes, celebrities. Um, there's still a role for Facebook but I think for business, it'll probably be more so within the context of having a presence on Facebook, more so than focusing on growth. 
at this point because Facebook has made it really difficult in these days to grow because uh, it's a company that's focused on monetizing and ads and promoting and marketing um, so that they can get money from that. Um, but what, what happens, the natural progression of social media, if you look at Facebook, you'll see that as initially it was college students and it was young people. Then it progressed to young adults and older adults, and then it progressed to middle age, and then now grandparents got Facebook. And once that started happening, then people moved to Instagram, and Instagram became being a younger demographic and a younger crowd, and it's a hip thing. And it was like, do you have? Are you on Instagram? What's your Instagram? Et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, you have TikTok that comes out, and TikTok is this new thing. And and so whenever uh, I, we were saying, hey, let's join TikTok, people had the same reaction that they did when we were talking about moving from Facebook to Instagram. And that reaction was, no, I already have an Instagram. And so why would I do a TikTok? It's kind of weird. People are dancing. People are this. You know, it's for kids. It's for young people. It's it's not for uh, college or young adults. And people, that's what people believe. But like any social media platform that grows or that survives, it, it, it evolves. And people who started early on TikTok, again, they're early benefiters. I, and that's, I always say this, the people who started early on Facebook and the people who started growing early on Instagram, to this day, they're reaping the benefits of that. Um, and I'm talking about people who had legitimate organic growth. They, they're, they're experiencing the benefits of that. TikTok had a time where you can, everyone could easily grow like crazy on TikTok and almost everything you posted would go viral. And the people who took advantage of TikTok during that time grew and blew up. And then with time, TikTok became about dances. It became about teaching people economics. It became about teaching people how to look for a house, how to invest in stocks. Uh, you know what the what the day in the life of a med student is like. Uh, how much it costs to to buy a house in New York, or how much it, uh, it costs to buy a car, or what tax write offs do you want, or a day in the life of an engineer. So TikTok became this now informative space where literally there are things I've learned from TikTok that I've applied to my real life, um, and now it's evolved and it's developed. And now a lot of people who said I would never get a TikTok they're starting to join TikTok. And in fact, the young adults, I believe uh, between the ages of 25 to 33, are uh, among the fastest growing groups of, of people on TikTok. And so this was once something that people said, oh, wow, I already have another page. This is for younger people. But again, these things evolve. And I think that's why people miss out on uh, on these these opportunities, like TikTok is an opportunity, and it's still there as an opportunity. But now, you know, I remember when I joined, it was like I think 100, 200 million users or something like that. Now it's a billion users. Yeah, and I remember when you used to tell me, "Yeah, man, you got to get on TikTok. You got to get on TikTok." And I was like, "No, no, no, no." And now, like just just to see its transformation and being like a lot more platform a platform that has a lot. Of, uh, educational resources on there. I kind of regret not starting earlier, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And there's so much education on TikTok. And and what I like about TikTok is that Instagram sort of has this thing of, you know, being kind of contained, right? Like, so, so on Instagram, uh, you know, people have this sense of, oh, if I post this or if I don't look perfect, if I don't have that, you know, I'm going to be 
sort of, you know, judge or people are kind of posting their best life on TikTok, there's a little bit more realness. There's a little bit mm-hmm. more anyone can go viral. Like you could just see the most ran- a random 15-year-old nerd, nerdy kid just go viral um, because of something funny he said or did or literally on TikTok, anyone can go viral at any time. And I don't think that that exists on Instagram. Instagram tends to show preference for celebrities and for people who are well-known. Whereas TikTok still gives the opportunity to uh, allow some some pages and some even some pages that are small to still have viral videos, and I right. think that 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 is such a smart social media business model because you know when you give people from time to time viral videos, it's going to create it's going to feed that high of posting and staying on the app, and so I think that. Yeah, and I remember people just being resistant. I'll never post the reels. I'll never post the TikTok. And you know now they're they're jumping. We're moving into a world of video, um, and and that's that's the thing where you know video is going to be one of the biggest things uh, that you know still picture. There's still a space. I believe there will always be a space for photos. I think photos are always something that's powerful. Like a solid photo is solid memory. Um, I think Instagram probably should have in, instead of go so hard on trying to compete with TikTok in the video space. Um, I think what would have been nice is if they really developed their photo um, capabilities and, and gave that same virality that TikTok gives to videos, but to photos. But I think that's what it is. I think TikTok is, is it's straightforward. It's just videos. There's no photos. There's nothing else. It's just video. And I think that that's really, really good um, to, for it to have that niche. And um, and there are lots of people right now who are getting amazing opportunities off of TikTok. I've been getting a lot of brands approaching me to work with me just from TikTok. And what I tell people is just be consistent and keep posting. Um, don't don't stop posting because there's a, two things that will happen when you're consistent. The first thing that will happen when you're consistent is that you're going to start seeing what works and what doesn't work. And you have to go through that process because you're not really going to know what works for your audience what works for you if you don't consistently post. Um, The second thing about consistently posting is that uh, most algorithms, whether it's YouTube or it's Instagram or any, most algorithms in general, with some caveats, favor consistency. And because if if a computer algorithm perceives you as someone that is consistently putting out content and people are consistently responding to that content, it will favor your content. And so those are things that I always tell people is don't be afraid. Just be consistent. You know, do, you know, in the beginning, you're not going to be as good as you are going to be in the middle and you're not going to be as good in the middle as you are at the end. And, but you have to be consistent and you have to, you have to put yourself out there because you can't, you can't get to, you know, it's easy to watch, uh, you know, when I was playing basketball and I was younger, I'd, I'd, I'd watch somebody who was playing uh, you know, much better than me or in the NBA or something and say, oh, wow, like that would be awesome to play like that. But you can't get to, to, to half that level without practicing or playing. And even then, you can't, you can't necessarily get to it. But like to get to a certain level, it's easy to watch people fit literally in the same gym as you, that, but they're, they're in the same place, but they're, they're on a different level of what they're doing. And I think people don't understand that concept. They they think that familiarity or just because you can see this person being an influencer, um, they think that, oh, you know, I can do it too. I can just post and do it too. And then they post and they get disappointed and then they quit. Mm-hmm. But 
but that that's not how it works. You know, that person who's an influencer, there's certain things that they've learned along that way that, that, that help them understand their audience, understand what to post, how to post. Um, it's just, there's, there's certain things that they have learned and, and, and people have to go through that process rather than to want to be, you know, it's very rare to just become an overnight star. Yep. Absolutely. So for some people that maybe, you know, they got into TikTok in the early stages of it and maybe they grew a ton, they have a ton of followers and a lot of it was based off of like, maybe just say like humor or things that maybe aren't as serious on how they grow, uh, how they grew at the time, but now they want to be a little bit more attractive to brands. You know, they have this huge following, but they got this following just for, you know, making funny videos. What advice would you give that particular person um, as far as being attractive to, to brands to where they can monetize their 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 following and not just through the TikTok platform, but by actual companies? I think that there are definitely some groups and some companies that help people with monetizing their platforms. Um, I think that once you grow or you get to a certain size, I think that's when you, you know, and even before that, I think that's when you have to outsource and ask for help. Um, you know, like my company, uh, other companies that are out there, they help people sort of get to where they want to and their goal uh, with social media. I think that when people want to work with more brands, one of the first things that they need to do is put themselves on platforms or on uh, certain, there are lots of influencer platforms and websites where you sign up, you you register your account, your your username, um, and your your handle, and basically you have a a profile where companies can see your 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 availability and hit you up. You know, based off of if if you're a good match for their brand. Um, the other thing people do is they contact brands in their niche. I know that my assistant has been sort of trying to push me to do like a giveaway or, or to do certain things. For me, it's hard as in my role because I'm actually in real life a surgeon and I'm working and I'm trying to balance social media. So for me, it's been very helpful to have an assistant. And I think that for people who are at that level where they want to work with a brand and they're making money from social media, um, I think it's, it's beneficial to have someone that's helping you with your page and helping you with your content, help you keep up with messages and helping you reach out to brands um, and, and talk to brands about, um, you know, collaborations and working with them. And, and you don't really get anything. Brands, brands do reach out to you once you get to a certain level. I remember once I hit uh, about 10,000 on Instagram, a lot of brands started uh, writing me. But it was really when I started, when I hit around um, 25,000 plus, and I post consistently that I, I could get like three or four or five, six brands every day that are interested. And uh, I don't work with every brand. I get brands um, contacting me every day. I don't work with every brand um, unless it's a brand that I, I think is fits my niche. It's a brand I believe in. And if it, it's a brand that's willing to pay um, my rate for, for uh -huh. working with, because it takes time to post. It takes time to make videos. It takes time to do those things. And um, especially if it's a, it's a for-profit for business or a company, um, you know, I, I think that if, if the, you know, they want me to post on some, um, especially because I'm a doctor and I have a certain level of credibility, 
I, I, I have to, you know, make some compensations from that. And so that's why I, I, I tell people, if you want to work with brands, you have to put in a position where brands can find you. And then you also have to put yourself in a position where you can also contact the brand. So you can't just expect every brand to find you. Uh, maybe they don't know about you. So if you contact them and say, hey, look, I'm, uh, you know, hey, I'm an eye surgeon. Um, you know, like I'd love to work with you and collaborate. Um, you know, you get an audience and then I get compensation, right? So it's, it's a it's a win-win if it works out. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Uh, well, I appreciate your time, bro. I really, really do. Uh, people who are interested in what you do, maybe want to reach out to you, have a few questions, or want to collaborate with you. What's what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way to get in touch with me actually is just to um, believe it or not, just just DM me on Instagram. Um, I have, <laughs> you know, it, it it really is. I, I mean, because the thing is. Email is full of all kinds of work stuff and all kinds of, um, you know, other things. And, and so, I, you know, if somebody's just wanting to contact me, uh, they can just DM me on my Instagram. And, and my and if it's a legitimate question, um, my my uh, assistant always flags those types of questions. And um, and you know, I, I can get to them, and it just shuffles to my to my email. So um, I, I have my doc doc underscore nk. Uh, Instagram. I also have uh, my docnk.med.med um, at gmail.com. Uh, so either of those are, are, are good places to get a hold of me. Awesome. Thanks again, man. We'll, we'll be in touch soon. Appreciate yeah, your time. Definitely. Thanks for having me.